listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, you're in for a special treat. We have Pat Gillette back on our show. If you scroll back to the previous episodes of the Rainmaking Podcast, I think she was episode number two where she talked about some of the studies that she'd done, the characteristics of rainmakers. That's definitely worth a listen. I've actually listened to that one probably about two or three times, and I learned something each time I listened to that. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about rainmaking lessons from the crisis. Now, Pat Gillette, she's one of the country's leading experts and most sought-after speakers on gender diversity and equality, and she also speaks on the topic of rainmaking, client development, balance, things like that. She speaks to law firms and the legal industry, but My friends, the topics that she shares with us, they directly relate to you regardless of what you sell. You can be selling copier machines and some of her concepts will still relate to what you do. If you're in professional services or if you're selling to a sophisticated consumer or sophisticated buyer, this is going to be something that's worth listening to. So today we're talking about rainmaking lessons. It's just a really good conversation and I hope you get some great ideas. And if you get a chance, check out her website. It's on the show notes, especially the book that she wrote called Rainmakers Born or Bred. It has some keen insights on that as well. Thanks again for listening. Hope you get some great ideas from Pat. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. We've got a special guest today, a repeat guest, Pat Gillette. Pat, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks, Scott. I'm happy to be here. Always a pleasure to work with you. Absolutely. And your previous show that you had on here several months ago, I've listened to that several times. I think your content is rock solid and you're one of the leading experts on the topic of rainmaking. So I'm I'm just glad to have you here in our virtual room, so to speak. And, uh, And tell us, since the crisis started, what are some of the things that you've been doing with your clients in terms of training them in terms of uh, client development? Well, it's really interesting because I think what happened initially with COVID is no one knew how long people were not going to be in the office and able to do the kinds of things that we normally do. But obviously, (laughs) the the new normal is that we're not going to be in the office and not going to be able to do things we normally do. So I'm just beginning to see firms and other organizations interested in, in finding ways to talk about how you develop business in the COVID environment. And as I think I may have mentioned before, it's actually in some ways a lot easier. So I've been trying to really stress to people that this is an opportunity mm-hmm. to really get out there, rethink about who you want to develop as clients, how you can keep the clients you have uh, connected to you, and the kinds of things that you might be doing to gain notoriety and increase your visibility to people who might be able to give you business. So what are the opportunities? Let me kind of go down that path. You said that word that I love to hear. What are some of the opportunities that you think have come through with the crisis? Well, the main opportunity, in my opinion, uh, because I feel that building relationships is such an important part of uh, client development, is the ability to just connect with people on a personal level that for some people seemed hard. I mean, for people like you and me, Scott, who are pretty much natural rainmakers, that's not hard. But for some people, it doesn't come naturally. And yet in this environment, 
we have the ability to reach out to people who we haven't talked to in a while, who we haven't done work for, for in a while, who we might want to do work for in the future, and just say, hey, I was just thinking about you. How are you doing? Or, you know, you know someone has some issue that they're dealing with, little kids and figuring out how to deal with work and, and uh, taking care of your children or educating them or dealing with elders. And you can reach out to people on that level. So to me, that presents a, a really key opportunity to increase your visibility and really solidify relationships with people and let them know that you care about them and that you want to be connected with them. I think that's great. Yeah, I think that kind of disarms from our, not necessarily our prospects, but from our clients. Uh, the whole crisis itself in some ways is disarming to people. Exactly. And it also for people who aren't necessarily at the point where they might be connecting with clients. So, you know, junior and senior associates or junior partners, it gives you the opportunity to reach out to people within your firm because you're not seeing them all the time. So it's really important to begin to make an effort to connect with those people and continue to be connected with those people by volunteering for assignments or asking what they're working on. Is there something I can help you out with or volunteering to prepare a speech or an article for them? Even if it's something connected, for example, to COVID, you know, there's so many interesting issues with COVID that are out there now. And so there are opportunities to connect with people within your firm as well as outside the firm. And, you know, really to promote yourself as someone who's, thinking innovatively and creatively and and trying to find a way to succeed in this really difficult time for everyone. Right. And let's kind of drill down more on that topic of self-promotion, especially in the age of COVID. I know some professionals, even some women, we mentioned before a conversation, just you develop that expertise in helping women professionals, especially become effective at rainmaking. Uh, Some are uh, successful at self-promotion, others are not. You seem to fall into the category of a woman that's found a way to self-promote that works. Tell us what you think works for you, Pat, and what behaviors you've seen in others that does work and doesn't work. Yeah, so self-promotion is, you know, sort of has a negative connotation. People think about it as being someone who is too boastful or too arrogant or Dangerous. too smug, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so we don't want to be seen, both women and men necessarily, as self-promoters. And yet the concept of self-promotion is critical to developing business because what self-promotion really means is the ability to talk about yourself in a way that conveys confidence, that conveys competence, that conveys charisma, and shows people that you are someone that they can rely on to do good work for them, whether it be in the law or some other profession. So it's a really critical component. And every person does it differently because it really depends on your personality, your comfort level, and your ability to talk about yourself. And on the last thing, the ability to talk about yourself, that's where I see some gender differences between Mm -hmm. men and women. My research and my anecdotal experience, having been a lawyer for 40 years and a major rainmaker, is that if I had to stereotype, I'd say men are more comfortable talking about themselves in a way that really promotes their skills and their abilities, whereas women tend to underreport or not feel like they can, quote unquote, brag. And that's partly bound up in gender norms and society's expectations. And it also has to do with personality type. There's some men who don't like to do it. There's some women who like to do it. So it's not necessarily gender bound, but it is 
more gender bound than some of the other things. Right. So when you said they don't feel like doing it, and I can totally relate, and I'm in the business of self-promotion, and I've always had a tough time with that. I feel this conflict where I don't want to be overly promotional. And so I feel that in some ways I just haven't gotten as far because of that. So I can kind of relate with that. So how do we manage that emotion? I mean, what, I mean, is this something that can actually be changed in terms of how we behave and how we feel? What do you think about that, Pat? Absolutely. I think it can be changed. This is something that you and everyone else who wants to has the power to change. And it has to do with getting into a mindset that allows you to think about yourself positively. And what I mean by that is saying, these are things I really do well. I'm really good at X. And beginning to talk about that. And you can practice it with things that are unrelated to your profession. For example, I don't have a lot of skills, but I am a pretty good cook, right? I'm pretty good. I can throw a dinner party for 10 or a dinner party for 100. It doesn't really matter to me. I'm just good at that. And so if I wanted to talk about myself in that regard, I wouldn't say I'm a really good cook. What I'd say is I just threw a dinner party for 10 people. I tried something I never tried before. I tweaked the recipes a little bit. Everything came out on time. People were really happy. We had a great time. People didn't leave until 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. It really felt great. What does that tell people about me? It tells people that I'm organized, that I'm creative, that I'm a risk taker. And it conveys some of those qualities that people might be interested in me professionally as well as personally. And so you find ways to talk about those things that you think you do well in a way that is positive and that is sort of showing off those skills so that other people can take messages from that. I also use a lot of humor, as do you, Scott. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I often try to to make a a little bit of a a joke about something. You know, I may not, I'm really great at cross-examination, but don't come to my house because you're not going to find me sparkling clean. You know, I mean, there's, you know, ways to incorporate humor in a way that promotes yourself, but also doesn't look like you're someone who's saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah, I get that. I like that. That's a good way to kind of parse it in your mind when you communicate that to people. What do you think about self-promoting? Is that something that you think can backfire? And and what do you think would be the root causes of that? Yeah, self-promotion can backfire when people think that you are more interested in yourself than you are in them. Mm -hmm. So it's really important when you're talking about skills that you have that might be of interest to someone else that you listen well. You know, in in the last time we talked about rainmaking in general, we talked about active listening, and it's a critical, critical part of self-promotion. So when you're talking with someone who you'd like to have consider you for some opportunity in a professional context, you want to be listening for what's important to them Mm -hmm. and responding to those things in a way that makes sense in terms of their business and in terms of what they're looking for and the skills that you have that might be able to assist them. So for example, if I were talking to someone who told me that they had a difficult employment situation, I'd be listening really closely for, is this someone who likes to litigate really hard, (laughs) scorched earth as we call it in the legal business, or is it someone who's looking for an opportunity to resolve the matter? And I would approach those two things differently in selling myself. 
So if it were a scorched earth person, I might talk about, you know, I've had a lot of clients who like to do this. Let me tell you about one. I really think personal stories are helpful because people remember them. If I had someone who was interested in a softer approach or, or really wanted to resolve matters for whatever reason, then I would talk to them differently about the skills that I have. Well, you know, I've really been able to bring a good result to many of my clients by having a strategy to get to settlement. Is that something you might be interested in? You know, as opposed to saying I'm really good at settling cases, which I am, by the way, um, but I wouldn't say it that way. So I think you have to actively listen and that avoids the problem of just coming out of the box bragging about yourself. I'm the best trial lawyer you've ever seen. I can settle any case. Don't worry about the, you know, that kind of stuff is not usually appealing to someone. You know, that's interesting. I had several thoughts, and I think everything you said is perfect, that sometimes on a deeper level, people don't want to have to promote something if it means that I'm taking money away from you and I personally benefit from this argument. And I know a lot of lawyers, they don't want to say anything unless it's purely in the client's best interest, but then they benefit from that also. And there was someone in the recruiting industry that had this pattern of what I thought was self-destruction, where he would get to a certain level and he'd sabotage the deal. And we're talking about that. And I think it went back to his relationship with money, where he saw money as evil. He grew up in this very poor area where the rich keep getting richer, the poor keep getting poor. And he really had to struggle with that. And I explained to him that wealth is a byproduct of the creation of value. People aren't going to do anything unless it benefits them. And if they're giving you a check, that means they see value. Focus on that value. And then I guess kind of taking that concept and integrating it with what you talk about here, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's about my client's problem. It's not about you, Pat, when you're talking to somebody that's thinking about having you work as their litigator. It's about you serving them. But what do you think? Do you think a self-esteem issue or things like that could kind of tie in with the whole self-promotion issue? Oh, yeah. I think a lack of confidence often gets in the way. And and to your point, because I see this a lot, where people are afraid to say, this is what it costs to hire me. So, you know, when I left my law firm, my billing rate was absurd. I won't even speak it out loud. But that's because I had a reputation that merited that amount of money for an hourly rate. And so people are afraid sometimes to equate the value of the services that they're offering with themselves. And I think you just have to get over that. You have to have the confidence to say, this is what the value that I'm going to bring to you. And this is what it costs to get that value. Like when we go in to buy a computer, we might want to try to get the best deal we can, but we're going to pay what the price is for the computer. We don't say, well, I'd like to see it without this part or that part, or I don't need a keyboard, you know, <laughs> even though I wouldn't be able to use my computer otherwise. You know, we accept that. And that's the kind of confidence that you have to walk into uh, potential clients with or current clients with to say, here are the services that I can offer. Here's why I think it will solve your business problems. And here's what the cost is. Mm-hmm. And that lack of confidence interferes. So a lot of times people will back off and say things like, well, I know this might seem like it's really high, but I really think that you know, if you can afford it, this would be a good thing for you to do or purchase or buy or pay me. You don't want to do that. You want to say, here's, here's what my rate is. Here's what that means in terms of what the total cost will be. Here's how I'm going to try to make sure that we're as efficient as possible. But this is what it costs to get the result that you're looking for. 
You've got to be able to say that out loud and not be your own worst enemy, as you were saying, Scott, sabotaging the deal or failing to close it by refusing to ask. You know, I've seen people go into meetings, do really well with a potential client and forget to make the ask or not feel confident enough to make the ask, either then at the meeting or in a subsequent phone call because they don't have enough confidence to say, and I think I'd like to work with you. How about it? Can we make that work? You know, they just forget or don't do it. That's right. critical. That's a critical right. part. You got to make the ask. And I liked how you mentioned this is going to help you get the results you're looking for, where some people might not know that they need to tie that in with their offering because that's what's going to motivate the client to buy, to say yes. This exactly. is going to help you get that result that you're looking for. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what we're talking about here. So Exactly. And that just underscores the issue about active listening. What is the client really looking for? What do they really want? What can you read into what they're saying? What do you know from the research you've done on this client before meeting with them, hopefully, about what they're looking for, what's important to their business, what they should be thinking about if they're not thinking about it? Those kinds of things are critical. So let me ask you this. Let's say within an organization, you've got a team of professionals that are working together to do business development, whether it's a law firm, accounting firm, recruiting firm, other types of professional services organizations. Do you think that self-promotion, have you seen professionals hinder the self-promotion that they need to do with their colleagues? Absolutely. And this happens a lot. It's an inability to accept a compliment is the way I sort of see it. Um, So you're working within a team and the team gets a great result. And you want to talk about that result. So someone comes to you and says, wow, you guys did a great job. And if you were in charge of the team, your response should be, it was really my pleasure to lead that team. This is a great group of professionals, right? Because now what you've done is you shifted so that you haven't just said it was a team effort, which is what a lot of people say, but you've made it clear that you led the team and you were in a position of leadership. And that's really important. It seems subtle, but it's really important as opposed to saying, oh no, it wasn't me. It was the team. So many people, that same kind of backing off that we were talking about just a minute ago happens when people are talking internally about their successes. Oh no, not me. It was really my team. When in fact it should be it was my pleasure to lead this team and they're great. And it was really great to work with them. So what, what do you think are some of the big mistakes that women make in terms of promoting themselves? You talked about the gender differences. What are some uh, mistakes and pitfalls that they usually do and what recommendations would you have for them to sidestep those? Yeah. So there are some things that we know from studies that women do that affects their ability to self-promote and probably the, most astounding one and most prevalent one is women think that if they just work hard, they'll be noticed. And so they don't volunteer for things. They don't ask for opportunities. They think it's sort of like feel the dreams. If you build it, they will come. And then if an opportunity comes up that someone hasn't asked them about, they tend to be reluctant to volunteer for it or raise their hand because They don't feel like they're qualified. So we know there's studies that have been done that say if there's a job application and there are 10 qualifications and a woman meets nine of them, she won't apply for the job because she'll say, oh, my God, I don't meet the 10th qualification. Whereas a man 
he meets five of the qualifications and he'll say, well, I got at least five, so I can probably fake it or get to the rest of the team, right? And this has been studied, and I don't know if my numbers are exactly right, but this has been studied and proven that women will not, they have to be perfect. And so they are reluctant to take an opportunity that might be a stretch opportunity, might be something they haven't done before, might be something they're perfectly qualified for, but they just feel uncomfortable because they might fail. And failing is just a part of living. It's a part of life, both personally and professionally. Everybody's going to fail at something. So I think that if I had to, to put number one, a number one on something, that's what it would be is this, reluctance to volunteer, to ask for opportunities, to think that you have to wait for someone to notice you before it's okay to say, pick me. Great. Great advice. So what do you think are some of the effective self-promotion strategies that professionals can use? What are some suggestions you'd have in that regard, Pat? So I think it's important, as I said toward the beginning of the, the podcast, that you learn how to brag about your experience and your expertise. And you need to do that in a way that feels comfortable to you. Again, I think using humor, using stories that talk about your expertise without saying, I'm great at this, but when someone hears a story, they understand you're great at it. So I think that's really important. I think the ability to accept compliments is also really important because it gives you, as we just discussed, the opportunity to to say, yes, thank you, instead of, oh, no, please don't think it was me. (laughs) You know, using social media is just critical, and it's a really easy way to promote yourself. There are rules, of course, in terms of how much you should say, you know, I was really excited to be on this podcast with Scott. Um, Seems to be the acceptable way of talking about that. But it doesn't matter because people see that you did this particular thing and that people followed you. I just did an interview with Valerie Jarrett, and we got tons and tons of looks, views at the at the interview because number one, Valerie Jarrett was a poll. Number two, I was a poll. And as a result of that, I got a whole bunch of new opportunities for myself by just saying, I did this thing. I love Valerie Jarrett. She's you know one of my heroes. And I put it on LinkedIn and on Facebook. Those kinds of things really can resonate with people. You need to actively listen, as I've talked about before. And you need to help people who can help you. You know, this is something that we often forget. It's not always about saying, what can you do for me? But it's very often about what can I do for you? And that kind of reciprocal behavior, having someone who promotes you and who you also promote, we call them promotion buddies. So I have a friend, for example, that does a lot of speaking in the same areas that I do. She'll promote me for opportunities that she can't do or that she doesn't want to do or that for whatever reason doesn't fall into her area of expertise. And I do the same for her. And then, of course, taking risks. You know, taking risks is just a big, big part of self-promotion because you're going to put yourself out there as being an expert, as being someone that this person should be interested in hiring for a particular gig. You're taking the risk that they're going to say no, and you've got to be comfortable with that. Right. So those are the things that I think are most important in self-promotion. Well, and I think that's that's a great list, Pat. Let, let me ask you, for within social media, what would be some of the sites or platforms? Do you think Facebook is LinkedIn or is better than LinkedIn or Twitter? Or what, what do you think? You know, I, I'm probably not the best person to ask about this, but I think Twitter and LinkedIn, in my opinion, are the best. But I'm sure there are other 
platforms out there that, which shall I say, younger people probably know about that I don't. But right. you know, those right. two platforms I found to be quite good and useful in my own business. Well, I guess you could find a promotion buddy that's smarter about you or about me than those. <laughs> uh, exactly. I seem to have done that, you know, find people that are promotion buddies where they know that platform better than I do. And then I've act people like that have actually gone to, I'm like, Hey, how did you create that image? How did you promote that? So that's great advice. That's excellent. And that's actually a good idea from you. Um. <laughs> so let me ask you then what, what's kind of the menu of offerings that you have those listening can benefit from? Cause I know you do consulting, you speak, what's kind of the ideal target client prospect for you that could be listening today, Pat? Oh, thank you, Scott. That's so nice of you to ask. You know, I really love doing speaking to large groups where I can have a big impact. Yeah, um, you're great at that too. You're fantastic. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I think my strength lies in both being practical and inspirational. And so speaking at retreats, at conferences, at women's initiatives, uh, those kinds of opportunities really resonate with me, and I think I'm pretty good at it, to tell you the truth. I also do some coaching, although it's not something that I do a lot of, but I do do some in particular situations. I spend a lot of time with one firm helping their diverse attorneys sort of have a business plan and learn how to execute on that business plan wow. for a year. And um, several of them were extremely successful. So, you know, that kind of stuff I do a little bit of, but my, my real joy comes from inspiring groups of people to go out and think about life a little bit differently. And hopefully I've made a change in the way some people have thought about it. The best, and I'm sure you know this too, Scott, because I know you do speaking and, and coaching as well, is when someone comes back to you after a year to six months and says, you changed my life. And I've had many of those moments and that is so meaningful to me. So that's where I really get my joy from. Well, that's great, Pat. And I certainly will vouch for you that you've done that. You've made a difference in my life, my audience's life. I've seen a lot of speakers and you're probably in the top one or two, not just one or 2%, but one or two, because you've got good content and you're funny and you're just so funny, you know? It's, uh, <laughs> you're, you're fantastic. Well, thank you. You bet. Thank you. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put and I feel like show links. Uh, on our show. So those of you that are listening right now, you can go to the site and you can get Pat's information. You can reach out to her directly. And tell us then, kind of summarize this in three action steps. What would you say are three action steps people can take to kind of get started on what you talked about today? So at a real basic level, I would say first take the time to assess what your primary strengths are. What do you bring to the party? And then practice how you would articulate those, either directly or indirectly to someone. You know, when I I'm, was a trial lawyer, I did many, many, many trials. I always would practice my opening and opening statement, closing argument in the mirror. You know, it worked for me or in the car. It's really good in the car. If you practice it, it becomes normal speak. So I would think about something you're really good at. Practice how you would articulate that. Force yourself to only say thank you when you get compliments for your work. And then go out like tomorrow and volunteer for an assignment or a speaking engagement or a task that's a little bit outside of your comfort zone. You know, take a risk by calling someone up you haven't talked to in a while and having a conversation with them or calling a partner if you're a lawyer in your firm and saying, I hear you're working on this project. I've got some spare time. 
Is there anything I can do to help? Do something, take some action item tomorrow that's a little bit outside your comfort zone, but has you asking for an opportunity. Great. Well, Pat Gillette, thanks for being here again today. We'll have you back on in the future. And uh, everybody listening, I'd recommend that you go to her site. The information's there. On the, we'll put that on the website. And then, Pat, I remember you told us before that you did a book that was based on a lot of research on rainmakers. Tell me about that again. Yeah, the name of the book is Rainmakers Born or Bred. And if you go to my website, you can see, which is www.patriciagillette.com, you can see how to order it. I highly recommend it. It's very practical. It's easy. It's short. But it's got a lot of important information in it and relies on the Rainmaker study that we did in 2013. That's great. Well, thank you so much again, Pat. We'll have you here on the show in the near future. Thanks for having me, Scott. It's always a pleasure. And thank you for all you're doing to promote these really important topics and information for people. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com. Thank you.